0: Welcome to 2Questions.tv. With me today is Stephen Wallace, and we're talking about perseverance and patience.
1: 2 TV: Brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners.
0: Welcome to 2Questions.tv. I'm Susan Barantini Moe. Joining me today is Stephen Wallace, the CEO and founder of the Omen Heaney Cocoa Bean Company, the first company to sustain exports of premium chocolate manufactured entirely in Africa, and credited with producing the world's first single-origin chocolate bar in 1994. He's also the author author of this book, O'Bruni and the Chocolate Factory, The Unlikely Story of Globalization and Ghana's First Gourmet Chocolate Bar. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed your book. Your description of how to taste, I mean, viewers, he starts the book with how to taste chocolate and he sent me chocolate bars and I only have one left because I actually ate one of the chocolate bars as I was reading that section to make sure I got it right. It was amazing.
1: That's good due diligence. Thank yes,
0: you <laughs> yes. Well, we try to really, really, you know, make sure we understand everything around here. <laughs> um, I, I actually loved the lessons in here from working with your dad in your family business. Um, when your first chocolate arrived, and I will not say any more than that because I don't want to do a spoiler. But I got a little emotional because you know it's such a roller coaster ride that you went on. I loved it. You're such a great storyteller.
1: Thank you. Um, you know, there were times I have to say, uh, w- when I'd speak about this, I'd always think this may be a better book than an actual company because the <laughs> company was so tumultuous in the early years. So, yeah. uh, um, and thank you very much.
0: Well, I think, and I think we all have those moments, right? We all have those moments in our in our business life where we go, "Am I? Why am I doing this?" But but you stuck with it, and and I want to talk about that today. Um, but I really would like to start with beginnings. You worked in your family business, which you actually convinced your father to sell because there was a whole change in the industry. Um, you would left a law firm that had no real succession plan. Now your family business was in the midst of this industry that was transforming. So you knew it was time. And when a family business is sold, it's often a challenge to find the next chapter. And you didn't talk too much about that in the book, and occasionally I ask a question like, What was in between those two little lines? <laughs> because it was, I convinced my dad to sell, and then I had my hoe on the desk one day and went, Chocolate. So, how did you know chocolate was the next chapter? How did you find that next chapter? Well, I, it,
1: it, you know, when I convinced my father to sell, and, it, and really in fairness, it was. Um, you know, these are always, especially with family businesses, such an emotional decision. So it was clear. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we all knew um, that it was time to sell. And this is a very important lesson I learned, I think, at a very young age, which is sometimes the market dictates a large part of success and failure. I mean, you can, you can, um, a rising tide will lift many boats, even if you don't execute well or your plan isn't perfect. Um, and likewise, you could have a brilliant idea, and the timing is just terrible. And what we realized is there's times in in, in the larger market when our size distributor was going to get squeezed. We had to either stay hyper small or get big. And if you were in the middle, there was really no future. We could have hung on for a couple of years, but uh, it became clear um, that it was time to move on. And and I knew a couple of things. I I knew that I hadn't been happy as a lawyer, which I could have thought about going back to and I toy with I mean even to this day I say, what would it have been if I'd been at a different law firm or working with with different partners at the time um who knows what I meant. we might be one chocolate bar less in the world
0: oh uh, so, no it's so good <laughs> um,
1: I loved you know and I knew that business which was sort of a distribution business of commodity products, of t-shirts and sweatshirts. So there was many places for people to get these products. There wasn't a lot of areas of differentiation or, you know, what we'd say in business is a strong value proposition mm-hmm. for us versus many of our competitors. So it was all price driven. And then there's not a lot of joy if everything is always about price.
0: Right. Um, you
1: want something, other value attributes, and maybe it's the quality of your products or the the story or the service you provide people. Um, So I knew I wanted to get into a business like this. And I had been an exchange student when I was 16 years old and had gone to Ghana and lived with this kind of incredible family. My host father had three wives and 21 children. And it was like that wonderful book that you keep going back to the shelf and rereading every couple of years. So I found myself in between jobs, or put it this way, without of a job. I was unemployed. What do I do? And then I, I kind of went back to this book and this time of my life when I lived in Ghana. And, and it just seemed so, I was so impressionable at that age. And it was such a, a seminal event in my life. I thought, what can I do going back? And what, you know, I began to look. So Ghana has four main kind of raw materials at that time. It used to be called the Gold Coast when it was a mm-hmm. British colony. So it had gold, it had diamonds, it had bauxite, which is how you make aluminum, it's the mineral, and it grew what was reputed to be the world's finest cocoa beans. Mm-hmm. And you know, gold and diamond were cartels. A smelting aluminum was a billion dollar business that took a lot of technical expertise. Uh, and I was lacking both in the technical expertise and the billion dollars uh, in my pocket. So I looked at cocoa and I grew up in a family of people who like to cook, um, just avocationally, my mother, my mm-hmm. grandmother, um, and thought, well, maybe what would get me back to Ghana? Um, maybe it's something around cocoa. And it seemed to me if you're growing the finest cocoa in the world, you should be able to aspire to move up that cocoa value chain and make your premium chocolate. And so the question I always asked people and asked myself was, where does good chocolate come from? And people would say Switzerland or yes, Belgium. France. And, and <laughs> France, and I'd say, how many cocoa trees grow in Zurich? And the answer is none. none. No cocoa trees grow in, in Paris or, or in um, Belgium, in Brussels or in Zurich. So I kind of went back to origin and said, what competitive advantages does Ghana have if it wanted to manufacture chocolate? And vis-a-vis what advantages does Switzerland have in producing chocolate that Ghana would have to compete against? And we found we had this freshness imperative. We actually went from bean to bar in the same country and didn't subject these cocoa beans to a six to eight week ocean voyage in the hold of a steamship. We would have a freshness advantage and we would create some jobs and we could test out some interesting economic theories that I was sort of toying with going back to Adam Smith and David Ricardo about mm-hmm. comparative advantage of international trade. And I was um, dismayed that the term globalism had changed meaning. I mean, it had gone from a good thing to a bad thing. If you think back to the Marshall Plan after World War II, everyone looks at the rebuilding of Europe as a great success in international trade, kept these old um, enemies from shooting each other. So we sort of rebuilt through globalism and trade. And, you know, by 1990s, um, at the Seattle World Trade Organization meeting, globalism became shorthand for this economic exploitation and a search for very cheap labor. And it became shorthand for costing jobs in the U.S. And I wanted to rethink it and explore what real comparative advantage among nations meant. And could we compete on things other than just cheap labor, but talent? in sourcing and where, what, what does each country do so everybody wins and you don't have this kind of bipolar zero sum game where there's a winner and a loser to use these kind of schoolyard mm-hmm. terms that, that I don't really like. But in the old days it was you know, someone would win, someone would lose in a trade. But I wondered what the 18th century economists really thought was globalization in international trade could create wealth for everybody involved in it, not come at the expense of you versus me.
0: I love that idea. And, and I, I wish I had more questions because I, I say this in every interview. I wish I could ask more questions. I should have made it 10 <laughs> questions, <laughs> but, but I, I, I feel like there's so much to unpack in that concept of, you know, because, because one of the things that's so nice about your story is, is the love, the clear love that you have, for this country, for Ghana, and that, that you saw something there that could elevate a nation. And that's amazing. That's world-changing stuff. And I, I, I want to unpack that, but that's not my next question, <laughs> so you're going to have to okay, come that back. Okay, that won't count.
1: That won't count.
0: We'll, we'll, no, it won't count. I'm not going to ask you that today, but you'll have to come back so I can ask you another day. Good pleasure. Okay, I I like to ask people on the air, will you come back so I can ask you about that? see you can't say no when you're on the air you're right
1: it's very difficult (laughs) with pleasure you know that thank you
0: all right so so let's then skip over that part we'll come back to it and the the next question is that that there is a big theme in this book that is perseverance and patience and and there were times in the journey where your patience was really tested and and it seemed like really that five-year period at least, from 1992 to 1997, when you really struggled to get it off the ground, get even one bar of chocolate made, what was it that kept you going? Because I'm assuming there are some people watching who are maybe in a similar circumstance where they're struggling to get something off the ground. So how did you find within you the fortitude to stay on the path, to stay on this journey?
1: Well, you, you, you stubbornness, in, you know, when I count up the <laughs> things that I did well and the many, many things I did poorly, you know, stubbornness counts. Uh, it counts greatly. And I, I believed in the project almost beyond a rational sense. I mean, it made so much sense to me on paper and intellectually that I, I felt compelled to try it. And I had a lot of, as you say, a lot of affection, a lot of love for this country. And I had seen a lot of, Um, people coming from offshore uh, entrepreneurs Mm. or other companies expecting quick results you know they had a three or four year business plan or they were venture funded and venture capitalists like a five-year exit strategy
0: they didn't know the culture they they didn't know the culture (laughs) it
1: was very clear that that wasn't going to work the old um, U.S. Commerce Secretary Ron Brown um, Mm. said that the you know, the challenge for American companies doing business in emerging markets like Africa is they come in on a Monday and expect to leave as millionaires on a Friday, that following Friday, and it just, it doesn't, it, it's, it's so much more difficult. Um, but the satisfactions are greater. So I was, you know, I became very intrigued by the idea of application of talent over time. So we live in a fast company world. Um, there's a magazine called Fast. Yes. <laughs> There's not a magazine called Slow Company. And my book is really, I I hope, a celebration of slow companies. And sometimes the application of patient capital and time and talent over years when any sort of sane or rational metric would say you should get out is really what solves some of these intractable problems of wealth creation and development and and emerging democracies. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to try that. and, you know, I wasn't sure what else I would do. So I was in, at some point, you're in too deep. You wake <laughs> up and you go, you know, okay, I can invest a little of this. We can take another mortgage on the house. And mm. at some point, you look up, you look in the mirror and you go, oh, my goodness, we have, you know, we are in too deep. We have to see this through it. I guess I, I had hit that point. And I saw enough progress, even though I had to squint to see it, mm-hmm. that I, I was, you know, compelled to stay the course. And it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it really, and I can't discount the enjoyment that it brought me. It certainly frustration too, but enriched my life in many ways. The people I got to meet in Ghana, the people I got to work with, the institutions it brought me in contact with, all of it, I just thought was fodder for, for an interesting life.
0: I agree. And I have to say, I didn't know what I was getting into when this book arrived. And I didn't know, I, I, I had it on my to read pile for my, as you might imagine, it's quite tall. And I watched it getting closer to the top. And, and I kept looking at it going, what is that going to be? What is that book about? (laughs) And I I don't read the books until usually about the week before the interview. And when I read it, I, I, it captured me. And so, um, it's a wonderful story, and I I, I loved it. <laughs> it's going on my thank recommended you. top books for the year. So oh, thank, thank you, you so much for a wonderful story. Congratulations on getting to the other side of the journey and and enjoying the success. And and thank you for the chocolate because I'm. Really looking forward to tonight. Is tonight's an Oman Heaney night for my husband and me. We're gonna. I'm gonna read to him the page where you, the pages where you talk about how to. Eat and we're gonna follow the directions together.
1: <laughs> wonderful. I'm gonna do the same with my wife. So it'll be. A, we'll have an Oman Heaney night uh, all over the country. This
0: yes, been, I love it. A pleasure. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure all right viewers here is the book okay we're going to have a link down below not just to amazon where you can get this book but also to the omen chocolate company so that you can cocoa bean company so that you can get your chocolate bars too and try this delicious stuff thanks for watching we'll see you next time
1: this has been twoquestions.tv to subscribe to our youtube channel learn more about the show the guests And our host, Susan Baranchini-Mo, visit us at www.2questions.tv.